This is Solid Foundation Ministries with Dr. Pierre Couvert, building solid foundations through sound Bible teaching. Welcome back to Solid Foundation Ministries. Today we're continuing the message from last week on why the gospel is important and why we must take a stand. Listen carefully as we finish this message. Eternity is a lot more than just going to heaven. But we're not going to be sitting around on a cloud playing our harps. We're going to be busy. Doing what? I don't know. But we're going to be busy. Because God made us to work. Work is where health and happiness comes from. Today everybody thinks that that happiness comes from who's going to win in the football game tonight. But you know that's not where my happiness is. My happiness is in my work. Whatever that work may be. When I was in a secular job, doing the best I could there brought me happiness. As a pastor and, and being in the service of God, doing the work is what makes me happy. It gives me joy. It makes me feel good. So we have liberty in Christ and we're to stand fast in that liberty. Not be drawn back into the bondage of sin is what it's talking about. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 Only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We are to stand fast in one spirit. Why do you think the world is spending so much time laughing at Christianity today? Because we don't stand fast in one spirit. We've got this church that believes this, and this church that believes that, and this one that believes that, and we all say we have the same Bible. But we all say we're taught from the same book by the same teacher, the Holy Spirit. Then why are we getting different answers on the test? The world is saying, well, you can make it say whatever you want. If you don't believe me, well, over here you've got the Catholics. They claim to be Christians. And over here you've got the Mormons. They claim to be Christians. They didn't used to, but they do today. And you've got the Jehovah's Witness, and they claim to be Christians. And you've got the Evangelicals over here, and they claim to be Christians. You've got the Baptists over here, and you've got this group over there, and this group over there. And they all believe different things. So how do you know what's right? You see why it's so important to stand fast in one spirit? Where we're in agreement on what the Bible teaches... The Bible says what it says. And it doesn't change. From 1611 to the Bible I have laying in front of me, there have been some changes. They have changed the script. Have you ever seen the old buildings and they have, they, 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 they have in God we trust and the trust has a V instead of a U? The old script that the original King James was printed in had V's for U's and S's for F's and or F's for S's and all kinds of things like this. Do you know why we call a W a W when it's really a double V? Because in, when we gave the name to that letter of the alphabet, those were U's. <laughs> but but you, you see what I'm getting at? They've made that changes. Okay? They've made some corrections of the printing. Not of what was translated, but of the printing. Well, printers, they used to take and put letter after letter, one at a time by hand, to set up a printing press. How many of you have ever done something that tedious and never made a mistake doing it? Of course we make mistakes. We're human. They've corrected those things, and they have standardized spelling. Other than that, it's exactly the same as when it was translated in 1611. It hasn't changed. But if you take the text underneath it, 
the the received text for the for the New Testament and the Masoretic uh, Masoretic Hebrew text for the Old Testament, and you take them, they're the same as when they were penned. We don't have the original autographs. I, I can't prove that by saying, okay, here's, here's the, the received text that I got down at, at the Bible bookstore, and it's got Matthew in here and the Greek and the, like this, and here's the Greek uh, text that Matthew wrote down and put them together and check it. I can't do that because the originals don't exist. But I can tell you why I believe it hasn't changed. Because I believe God. And he said it wouldn't. He said it would preserve it for all generations. That means us. And that means the next one. As Christians, there should, or there should be unity among us because we have the same Father. And we have the same Spirit indwelling in us. But there can't be if we don't both follow the Word of God. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, how can I walk with, even if he's saved, how can I walk with somebody who has different doctrine and go the same direction if we don't believe the same thing? How can I? I can't. I can't walk with those that teach you have to add works to salvation, even if they happen to be truly saved in spite of the false belief that they have. I can't walk with them. I can't walk with those who don't believe that the Lord's Supper and baptism are there to keep the local church pure. Because that's what they're there for. This isn't a place to cover that tonight, but that's what they're there for. You know, So we can't walk together unless we're agreed. Look in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, long for uh, my joy and, and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, dearly beloved. Then, then look over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. The next stand fast is we need to stand fast in the Lord. You know, our salvation is not in a church. It's not in a creed. It, 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 Baptists don't have the corner on salvation. Nor do the Catholics or anybody else. See, our salvation is in the Lord. In the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it's important we understand that it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord. He is Lord. You can't make Him Lord. He is Lord. You can rebel against His Lordship or you can submit to it, but He is Lord. Jesus means Jehovah, our Savior. He is the only Savior. The Old Testament says that God is the Jehovah is the only Savior. Titus chapters 1, 2, and 3 all say that Jehovah is our God is Savior and Jesus is Savior. See, because he is, Jesus is Jehovah, our Savior. He is God manifest in the flesh. And Christ, the chosen one, the only one that can save. It's not just some sweet, lovey-dovey Jesus, but our salvation in the Lord is in the Lord. In Him alone is forgiveness of sin. Pastor Pierre can't forgive your sin. Oh, I can forgive you if you wrong me, but I can't forgive your sin when you've broken God's law. I don't have that right. Bellingham Baptist Church can't do it either. And we can't give you absolution or anything else. It's only in Christ that we have forgiveness of sin. It's nowhere else. It's only in Him that we have assurance. 
there are those out there that teach that once you're saved, you can lose it. And then they'll say, but you're not saved by works. Well, if you can lose it, you are. Because if your works are needed to keep you on the path, then what saves you ultimately? It's your works. You know, the Catholics used to teach, used to teach, and still do if you read the doctrine carefully, although they've reworded it to confuse you a bit, used to teach that there's no salvation outside of the Catholic Church. But no church can save you. Your salvation's in Christ. Your assurance is in Christ. You know, I'm glad that my Bible says I'm kept by the power of God. Amen. What power is there greater than that? Jesus said we're in his hand and we're in the Father's hand. Now we've got two members of the Godhead with their hands wrapped around us. Who's going to open it up and get us out of there? You can't even do it yourself. To be in him means more than just to say, I believe in Jesus. It means to believe in him enough to believe that what he says is truth and therefore try to live by his precepts. What it means, you know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tell us that we're saved by grace through faith without works. But the very next verse says we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and another thing we should stand fast in. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and behold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistles. Now that word uh, uh, traditions gets a bad rap because we don't understand what it really means. Now the traditions of men are not something we should follow. But traditions are merely those things which were passed on to us by those who went before us. In our families, we have traditions. At certain holidays, we do certain things. The tradition in the Wallace family is to go out caroling on uh, before, the week before Christmas, as they did this year. And some of you had them to your homes as they, as they were out caroling. That's a tradition in their family. That is something that, that, that is passed on to them. They will pass it on to their children, who will likely pass it on to their children. So that's a tradition. What he's talking about here is the traditions or those things passed on to us in the Word of God. Whether they were the preaching of the Word of God as Paul and the other apostles went out and preached, or whether they were what they got in letters, the epistles. That they were to stand fast in biblical traditions and those things taught in the Scriptures. We're to stand fast in them. We're to hold on to them. We're not to let them slip. And it's so easy to do today because there's so much pressure on us. We're so busy. Oh, it would be nice to go back into the days when all we had to do at night was sit home and read. People grew faster in those days. You know, they want us to believe that prior to us, people were less educated. I challenge you, go back. Paul Harvey read some questions one time on a test that was required for 11-year-olds to get into the next year of class. And he read those questions. And I guarantee you, I can't answer them. Most of our college graduates would have no idea what the answers to these questions were. And we think we're smarter than the generation that went ahead of us. I mean, I, I think about the struggling kids are having with reading today. 
My mother used to talk about what they did before they got to school, how they would get up in, on Sunday morning before they went to church, and, and they would get the newspaper, and the kids would sit there. They weren't even in school yet, and they would read the funny papers to their parents. And we say, well, those teachers, they're not teaching our kids to read. Teach them at home, the teachers won't have to. Your kids will be leaps and bounds ahead of the others. Why do we need to stand fast? Go to Psalm 89. Psalm 89 and verse 28. Now this is God speaking here. It says, My mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. The first reason we should is because of God's covenant. God has a covenant with us. He's got a covenant of mercy. Every one of us deserves hell. Every one of us. Why? Because we've broken God's law and we deserve His justice. God is a holy God. He must punish sin. He does not have a choice. His character and His very nature make it necessary. It's only because of His mercy that we can be saved. Only because of His mercy He chose to allow those who would allow Jesus Christ to pay the debt for their sin to be saved. Stop trying to pay it themselves and allow Jesus Christ to pay for it. The, the mercy of God is found in Christ and in Christ alone. The whole purpose of John 3.16, For God so loved the world uh, that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The whole purpose of that verse is that God is God making His mercy available to us. And His covenant will stand fast. It will stand fast with Him. Who is the with Him in this verse? It's Him who has come to Christ on His terms for mercy. It's not just anyone. It's those that have come to Christ on His terms. And God will not back out on us. When God says He will do something, you can take it to the bank. There's no better check, if you will, ever written than the covenant that God offers us. It happens to be signed in the blood of His Son. Shed on the cross. That shows how serious God is about it. Shows how serious God is about sin. We are frivolous about sin. Well, everybody's doing it. You know, I'm only human. I mean, I can't help but I'm going to sin. And uh, although there's a little grain of truth in that. Sin is serious. Sin destroys God's creation. That's why he takes it so seriously. I mean, somebody just eating of a fruit that they were told not to eat of caused all the problems we have in the world today. Oh, just a minor thing. I only took one bite. And man's whole nature was changed. Became a rebellious nature, a nature which rebels against God. That's why there are thorns out there when you go barefoot in the summertime. I don't know if you do that up here. I know some of you did. I, I didn't know what shoes were in the summertime. Unless I was going to church or something. You know, and uh, and there were those stupid bullheads. They come because of the curse. The reason the weeds grow better than the the vegetables in your garden is because of the curse, because somebody took a bite of a fruit they were not supposed to eat. See, sin is serious, and God has to bring justice to play. 
Somebody has to pay the price. And he sent his son to die on the cross to pay that. That's a blessed covenant. That's why we need to stand fast. We need to stand fast so that covenant gets passed on to the next generation. So they know. Go to Psalm 111. And verse 6. He hath showed his people the power of his works that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hand are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. We should stand fast because of his works, because they stand fast. We see his power in his works. We see the power of the God we serve in his works. Remember, he, he spoke the universe into existence. I think it's kind of neat. Because he goes through all of creation, he gets down to us. He didn't speak us into existence. He made us with his hands out of the dust of the earth. We're special. We're special. But God's power is seen everywhere. His power is seen, is seen uh, uh, in his creation. His power is seen today in the phenomenal change that he can make in a life when they come to Christ. That is a miracle in my mind greater than creation. Where he can take a dirty, rotten sinner and make him a child of God. He can take a prostitute and turn her into a godly woman, mother and wife. He can take a drunkard and turn him into a preacher of the word of God. He can change the lives of those who come to him. His works are a reason to stand fast. To carry it on to the next generation. Go to Jeremiah chapter 4. Excuse me. Not chapter 4, chapter 46. That's what it says. So why did I say 4? I haven't the foggiest. In verse 14. Declare ye in Egypt, and, plus, and publish in Migdol, and publish in Noph, and in uh, Tahaphanes, Say, stand fast, prepare thee, for the sword shall devour round about thee. We should stand fast because we're at war. This is talking, it's, it's, it's talking about Egypt. I'm just using it as a picture of what I want to say here. But it's talking about the war, the sword coming in, and the wars, the battles that need to be fought. And, and we, need to, we need to stand fast. This passage speaks of a physical warfare, but folks, we're in a, in a, a, a spiritual warfare. And we can't stand fast if we don't prepare. What kind of army could mount a proper defense or attack, either one, without preparation? Now, this is kind of a, a more fun way to look at it. The football game is a war. My favorite game in all the world is chess. That's a war game. But football is a war. 
how could they do what they do if they didn't prepare in advance? If they didn't train and practice and run it over their minds and say, if this happens, this is what we're going to do. We're in a spiritual warfare. We need to prepare ourselves for that warfare. We need to, to learn what God's Word says. We need to practice putting into practice His principles so that when the trial comes, it's automatic. I mean, I remember basic training in the army. I remember the stupid things they made us do. I mean, they have one guy dig a hole so another guy can fill it up. Or they make you pick up this rock and move it over there so somebody else can pick it up and move it back where it was in the first place. Stupid, isn't it? No, it's not stupid. It's training us to do what we're told without question so that in battle we don't say, well, why should I do this? And we go do it so lives are saved. It's the same way in our Christian lives. We need to learn the principles of God. We need to practice the principles of God. We need to do what the Bible says. So when the attack comes, we're prepared and our, our reaction is automatic. When Satan comes along and tempts you with that favorite sin of yours, you're practiced and you're ready and you can withstand. When Satan is attacking somebody that you're trying to reach for Christ, you're prepared and ready to take on that attack and show them the truth. Whatever it may be, we have to be prepared for war. We need to know the scriptures. We need to be faithful to the principles that we learn in the scriptures. And then we need to prepare by having proper associations. You know, some, thing, some people think church is someplace you go once a week so you've done your duty for God. I'll go there and I'll listen to that preacher and he'll rant and rave up there and, and, and he'll step on my toes and he'll say those things. But I've done my duty for God and I can go back out and do what I want all day. It's not what church is about. Church is first about a place where you can be trained and prepared for the battle ahead. And secondly, it's a place where you can associate with others that have the same goals and the same beliefs as you do. So that you will be strengthened. Iron sharpeneth iron. And we, we work together and we strengthen one another. A three-fold cord can't be broken. Things like this that we find in the scriptures. Those talking about. We're exhorted to love and to good works when we come to church. To doing those things that we should and to loving one another. And we find out that we don't have to stand alone. It's hard out there to stand by yourself. But when you know there's a brother or a sister standing right next to you fighting the same battle, ready to help you if you holler for help, it strengthens you. It gives you something. It's part of your preparation. It's an important thing. Build relationships with other faithful Christians. Those Christians that you know that are unfaithful, the relationship you should have with them is to try and exhort them to become faithful. But don't let them be the ones you, you spend all your time with because they will drag you down. And those who are not Christians will drag you down even faster. Now, I'm not saying don't have anything to do with them. If you didn't have anything to do with them, how could you bring them up? But spend most of your time fellowshipping with people of like mind and like faith. One last passage of Scripture. It's on this same subject. It's in Ephesians chapter 6. 
This is the chapter that talks about the armor of God, but I'm not going to talk about that tonight. Uh, I'll mention it, but I'm not going to spend time going over that. But in verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. You know, we're not wrestling about peop- or with people like us. You know, we can go out with somebody that's like us and that, that thinks like we do, has the same power as we do, and we can either make ourselves stronger or use more wisdom and things, and we can defeat them, have a better plan, and we can defeat them. But that's not who we're wrestling with. We're wrestling with the forces of evil with their, the head captain being Satan himself. Satan has had a long time to prepare. He's had a lot of practice tripping up people like you and me. He knows how to do it. We're at war. And it's a real war. It's not just an imagined war. It requires putting on the whole armor of God. And I'll let you go home and study the whole armor of God. If you have questions to what those pieces of armor are, uh, then I would be more than glad to discuss it with you if you want to. But I'll let you do the study on it. By the way, you'll notice there's one piece of, uh, one part of the body that's not protected. It's the back. We're not to turn tail and run. We're to stand fast. We have a breastplate, we have a shield, we have a helmet to protect our head, but we don't have anything on our back. Now, I'll real, I realize that some breastplates also had a section on them that, that covered the back, but there's none mentioned here. And, and uh, so it requires putting them that. And only then, only when we're proper, pre, properly prepared can we stand. And let me just add one little thing in here for parents. I wish we had more parents. I wish we had more young couples with kids in this church. We have some that there's prospect of having kids, and we have some that have kids. You say, parents, Satan's greatest attack on you is going to be in your kids. He's going after them. If, if he's already lost you, he'll go after your kids. You better be prepared to defend them from the world out there. You know, we don't have much choice. We live in this world. The influences are there. And we better be prepared to protect our children. How important is the gospel? Well, it's a life and death matter, isn't it? Now, we talk about life and death. We talk about breathing and not breathing. But no, this is a life and death matter. It's the difference between eternal life and eternal damnation. Which is death is separation. It's an eternal separation from God. That's how important the gospel is. This church, like all churches, is made up of individuals and families. You know, this is not my church as the pastor. I mean, it's my church in a way, and it's your church in a way because we belong to it. But it doesn't belong to us. It, it's not. It's not me. And I'll tell you something, if we're going to win the war, we must understand as individuals and as families that we are at war. We must prepare to win the war or we'll lose it. 
Some of you are losing your children already because you haven't accepted the principles of God in your families. You haven't applied them there. Don't blame the schools. Don't blame the government or the church if you haven't uh, faithfully learned and applied God's principles in your own personal life. If we can't even reach our own families, think about this. How do you expect to reach the world? If we can't reach those that are closest to us and those that look up to us and those to whom we're important, and they're important to us also, how in the world are we going to reach the world? It starts at home. Been a little bit long. But this is the burden that God's placed on my heart at this time in my life. Is we better stand. There's the old saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And professing Christians are falling for anything out there today. And it's a shame. And let's not let it happen here. You have been listening to Solid Foundation Ministries from Lenore, North Carolina. Dr. Kuvert has 35 years in the ministry as a former missionary and pastor. He is available for revivals and various conferences on missions, Bible, Baptist heritage, and the family. To find out more, go to our website, solidfoundationministries.com, or call 828-244-6505. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's about God receiving the glory.